Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, church. I started to get very nervous when Champ started to lay out that the Every Nation Rosebank standard is five kids per family. Knowing that we only had two, you know. So, thanks for that, champ. <laughs> spiritual family, spiritual family. This past week, I was so inspired and I was so challenged. I was so inspired by being on a Zoom call with every nation leaders from across Africa, across Asia, across Europe, hearing what God is doing. Hearing Pastor Sam Dogbon, our West African apostolic leader, hearing about what's happening with Pastor Ronnie, we prayed for Kampala today, and just the advance of the kingdom in East Africa. Hearing about China, hearing about Europe, what's happening. And just to give you some insights, China, Pastor Jackie and our churches there, they're saying they've never experienced persecution as hard as it is now than in the last 20 years that the Chinese Communist Party is just coming down on them. And yet, they're saying the gospel continues to advance. It's just amazing. Pastor Ronnie and the advance of the kingdom on campus in Kampala, it's just incredible. Talking to Shemek, he's our Eastern European pastor, and, and how our churches in Poland, churches in Ukraine, have just opened up their doors and and Ukrainians and Poles who have been very closed and hard to the gospel are just opening up. You know, we are seeing the advance of Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled Christianity as we all are, I hope. They reckon by about 2025, there'll be one billion of us. And it's the biggest sociological phenomena of the 20th century, going from Azusa Street, kind of 100 people, to a billion people in 2025 who are spirit-filled, who believe in God. I came away so inspired. I came away so encouraged. That's what encouraged me. Let me tell you what challenged me. Now, this is looking at the West, not the global South or not, not Asia. In the West, amongst millennials, Millennials are 26 to 41. How many of you are 26 to 41? I'm guessing it's a whole lot of you. How many of you won't tell me your age irrespective, okay? <laughs> Amongst millennials, we're talking about Christians, according to the Barna Institute. Amongst Christians. 50% of Christians in the West feel like there's something wrong in telling somebody who's not a Christian about their faith. Mind-blowing. 50% feel like there's something wrong, something inappropriate about telling people who don't know Jesus about the one who loves them. 20%, it's actually 19, it's less than 20%. Less than 20% of evangelical Christians are actively looking for opportunities to share their faith. Less than 20% of evangelical Christians. Now, these two stats that I've just given to you now are far more in the West. 
they, they're in America in particular, but I, I think we're facing the same challenges today. I want to take us to a story. It's a moment when Jesus started his ministry. At the beginning, everybody's like delighted in what he's doing, and he's healing the sick, and he's proclaiming the kingdom. Here in Mark chapter 2, we see a change. Something happens. This is a story of love. This is a story of breakthrough. This is a story of neighboring through the roof. Remember, we in week four of our neighboring series. This is about getting through to our neighbors in ways that we haven't thought of before. Let's go to that passage of scripture. Well, let me control it. I've got the, I've got the clicker. Forgive me. All right. Here we go. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Jesus had a home in Capernaum. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Jesus preaches the word. We preach the word. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit. Jesus knows your hearts, right? He knows what's in your spirit today. Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say to him, get up, take up your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to this man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. May God bless his word. There are three main reasons why people don't share about the one that they love. Jeff Hamling says this, firstly, people don't share because they don't see the need. 50% of people, according to a Lifeway study, said that in evangelical churches, people don't share because they think that many ways lead to God. They don't share because they don't see a need. All roads lead to Rome. That you can find God apart from Jesus. Second reason that they don't share is that they feel inadequate. Because of atheism and syncretism is where you're mixing like Christianity and voodoo or Christianity and something. And because of skepticism, many Christians feel like they can't give an intelligent response to people. And so they don't share about the one that they love. Thirdly, people don't share because they say this, I've tried sharing. I tried and it didn't work. I heard a sermon or I attended a course or I read a book. I've tried sharing and it didn't work. Today, we're going to look at these four men. 
We're going to look at the paralytic man. And above all, we're going to look at Jesus. And I want to give to you three solutions to these three problems. And I want to give you three secrets. To this question of, I don't see the need. The answer is found in what do we really see? How do we really perceive? How do we really look? And, and you know, good theology doesn't just have a view on God, but it has a view on man as well. All of us have been made in his image. And we are glorious and we're beautiful. And the Bible says we're just a little bit lower than angels. And, and you see that God spark in everyone. Whether they know Jesus or not, you see creativity, you see ingenuity, you see entrepreneurship, you see love, you see family. Everybody's got that made in the image of God. But just look at the world. You don't need to go far to see the brokenness of society, the brokenness of family, the war, the poverty, a whole lot of things that are going wrong because of the fallenness of man. You know, Hollywood has this eternal optimism where people get married and get married and get married and get divorced and get divorced and get divorced. And, get divorced. and, and each time they're trying, they're believing. But we can't do this life well without God. When I was in corporate, I'd meet with these C-suite top executives. We'd have a discussion about the business that I was involved with and that they were taking the services. And at the end, I'd close my little black folder, and we'd talk about their souls. And as outstanding as they were, half-flying, top-end, they'd start to share about their brokenness and their sin and their need and their heartache and their fears and their failings. We forget how we felt. <laughs> we forget the pain that we had before we met Jesus. Friends, Jesus came because there is no other way. Jesus came because there is no other way. The Father would not have sent his Son if all roads led to Rome. If there wasn't any need, he said to the Father, Lord, if it be possible, take this cup from me. But it's not possible. Somebody needs to pay, and he has paid. Jesus said this, Matthew 7 verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many. It's not pass one, pass all. Jesus is saying there are many, many who are choosing a Christless eternity. We ask people how they are, and I've done this. How are you? What do we say? Fine. Fine. I'm fine. What does fine stand for? Fearful, insecure. Neurotic <laughs> and emotional. <laughs> so if I say that to you, I'm fine. Just, just double-click on it. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except by me. Famous author Mary Healy says the following. When Jesus heals those who are blind... He's saying that not only are they physically blind, but he's illustrating to us that there are people that are spiritually blind. When Jesus raised the dead, he was also saying that there are people who are dead. They are dead, dead to God. 
And I'm not only raising people from the dead physically, but I'm raising people from the dead spiritually. And the paralyzed man is an image of someone who can't help himself, who needs others to help him. Before men, as well, above all, Jesus. These four men, they saw the need. They didn't deny it. They didn't reframe it. They didn't excuse it. They didn't diminish it. They knew that their friend was paralyzed. They knew he was broken. They knew he needed Jesus. I'm challenged to see people how they really are. To see them for all their potential, for all their glory, for all their wonder, what they're meant to be. I'm also challenged to see them for what they really are, that they face an eternity without Christ if they don't bow their knee and confess Jesus as Lord. Victor Hugo said, those who don't weep don't see. And we have to have the courage to recognize that people as wonderful as they are outside of Jesus, they face an eternity without God. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions. Some of us have been Christians for too long. And we forget that joy and that peace of experiencing sins forgiven. And so we disconnected from people who don't know Jesus. And we look on the outward like I would look on the outward at first with my business associates and just see them on this incredible track. And meanwhile, their lives are broken inside. Second solution. The solution to us feeling so inadequate. Friends, I feel inadequate. I don't have all the answers. I'm not perfect and I'm a sinner. I have got so many good reasons why I can't and shouldn't bring people to Jesus. We can all say that. I'm inadequate. I don't have all the answers. I've sinned. I've fallen short for the glory of God. These four men felt the same way, and, and each one was saying, I can't do this myself. It's too heavy. It's too much of a burden. It's beyond me. The paralyzed man rep represents someone in need of Jesus. These four men are nameless. There's no description to them. Faceless. It's not a doctor. It's not an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, teacher, evangelist. It's every man. It's every woman. Who will do it together. You can just say one word to somebody. You can pray one prayer. You can buy one cup of coffee. You can make one invitation. And you are just part of a whole track of people who are bringing people to Jesus. Okay, answer me this. How many of you got saved through just one person being the all-singing, dancing duck that did everything? Okay, like it was just one person. You know, they took you to church, they invited you, they shared. I mean, if, if there was just one person, just lift up your hand, I want to see. Again, are people not cooperating today? <laughs> no. The truth is the vast majority of us 
had multiple encounters of a granny, of a friend, of a pastor, of a leader who invited us, who spoke to us, who prayed for us, who shared with us. All of us need to take our place as one of those four men, you could say four women, four people, who step in and do things. Evangelism is meant to be a community project. And when you feel like you can't do it yourself, you're right. We do it with God. And we do it together. 1 Corinthians 3, 7 to 8. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God made it grow. So neither he, nor, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. But only God who makes things grow. There's, there's only a few things that I'm good at. Only a few things. But with Nicola, with Simon, with Quinton, with Stuart Chantel, with Loreco, with Champ, although I'm not going to have five kids. Um, <laughs> together, we are better together. Don't feel the burden of being responsible to do everything, but feel the call. Feel the great commission to do your part, to respond and do your part. Don't be overwhelmed that you don't have every answer, that you can't be everything to everybody. But will you do what you're called to do? Start a conversation. Remember the SALT method. Start a conversation. Just reach out and introduce yourself. Start a conversation. Ask questions. Let them talk. Find out where they're at. Listen to them. Listen properly. Don't listen to answer them. Just listen to hear their heart. And then tell your story. That's the T in SALT. Tell your story of what Jesus has done for you. I've shared with this to you before. Don't make Jesus your side dish. You know, your secret boyfriend, your secret girlfriend. I mean, who wants to be that? Jesus is first and foremost, or he's not at all. Let him be first and foremost, the one that you love. How is your weekend? Tell people. I went to church and it was amazing. In this postmodern world, all they can go is like, oh, that's interesting, but you've spoken to them. <laughs> you've told them something. You've told them that Christianity means something to you. To the third objection, I've tried and it didn't work. These four men tried and they were unsuccessful. The house was packed. They couldn't get close to Jesus. They couldn't get in. Their plan failed. Their first plan failed. It didn't work. The barriers sometimes seem insurmountable as we engage people. Yet these four men did not give up. They did not give up. Even when they were unsuccessful, they persisted. They were creative. They were faithful. And they kept on doing. You know, the struggle in business, in family, in life, in studies, we're willing to do that struggle, right? Why aren't we willing to be persistent in doing the most important thing of all? And that is bring people to Christ. You know, when I've shared my faith, I've had people freak out. I've had people respond with intense negativity in the running crew. I've told you before I'm running and I tell them what I believe in. Next thing, it's like there's, I've dropped a stink bomb in the midst because... <laughs> was it something I said? Yes, it was something I said. I told them about Jesus. But as I've persisted, as I've continued, 
one by one, two by two, they've started to get saved and come to this church. We need to rethink. We need to re-strategize those, those four men that didn't give up. They said, okay, if we can't do it this way, we'll do it another way. You know, I consider talking to our pastors in the Philippines, and they say how that um, because of the traffic in Manila, they can't do connect group anymore the way they're doing because it's just it's like an hour in traffic, you know, on a Thursday night to get to the connect group and an hour back because the, the city never sleeps. So now they're rethinking. They're getting creative. And what we are called to be is persistent. <laughs> and we are called to be creative like these four men. And it, it cost them, right? It cost these four men. I mean, they, they had to dig and they had to probably pay for the roof as well. <laughs> But you know, it, it counts for nothing. It, or, it, we shouldn't carry that cost and say, oh, it's really cost me. Compared to somebody coming to Christ, the cost is nothing. The, I remember a season for seven years on a Friday night. Friday night, all we were doing was passing out between taking our kids to youth, waiting for them, and then fetching them from youth. But not just them, it was all their friends. Friday night was a write-off. Okay? Friday night, started at 5 o'clock, we'd start fetching them, have them for supper, and then it would go till about 10 o'clock at night. But I'm so glad we did that. And it's no cost at all. Can we be people who get creative? And can we be people who persist? They could not get him to Jesus, so they made an opening in the roof by digging it through, and they lowered the mat that Jesus was lying on. So that's the response. That's the solution. I want to give you three secrets. Three secrets of, of bringing Jesus to people. Incarnate, faith, and heart. Anybody ever had chili con carne? Okay, I love chili con carne. Okay, so what is it? It's chili with carne. You know what carne is? It's meat. Okay? It's meat and chili. Okay, so what does the word incarnate mean? It means that we come as Jesus in the flesh. Jesus came down. He took on flesh. He paid the price for us. But we are called to incarnate. We are called to be such that people look at us and say, what is it about you? People look at us, the kindness, the love, the integrity, the generosity, how we reach out to them, the hospitality. We are called to incarnate. These four men, they incarnated through their care, through their empathy, through their compassion for this paralyzed man. We bring people to Jesus by recognizing and meeting their tangible physical needs. Too often, we think of evangelism just as propositional. Now, it is propositional. But these truths are not just meant to be lived verbally, but they're meant to be incarnated physically, the integrity with which we do business, all of these things, the way we do family, we are meant to incarnate that people look at us and go like, wow, I see it in your family, I see it in your employees, I see it in your business partners, I see it in your marriage, there must be a God. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I was grieved week before last. I'm not going to mention names. I mean, it's all over the internet. Um, 
famous pastors falling into degrees of disrepute. And it, it grieved me so deeply because I know the impact that it has on the kingdom, the discouragement it has, and the excuses that people then use. We are called to incarnate. We are called to incarnate. We don't do it in our own strength. We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. People are looking for friends. People are looking for their tribe. People are looking for mentors. People are wanting to be invited to your home. People are looking to be invited for coffee. Yesterday after my run, sitting in a circle with like the guys that I'm really reaching out to, like the crew, my target audience, you know? And, and then there's this other guy sitting on the side, you know, who is not the crew and he's not my target audience. But what I do, I make the circle wide and I say, come in, you know, just come in. Can we do that? Can we consider that extra person and bring them into our world. Our job is not just to tell people about Jesus. Our job is to embody the gospel. It should never be disembodied. We need to meet people where they are physically, emotionally. Let people taste Christ. Let them see Christ. Let them smell Christ, that fragrance around us. Second secret is faith and power. These men had faith. When Jesus saw their faith, when he saw their faith, I mean, this is like a surprising scripture. When he saw their faith, it's like the paralyzed man and the other four, or maybe it's just the other four, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. I find this surprising. The four men believed in the power of Jesus to heal. They believed in Jesus. Sometimes we fail to have faith for the transformation of the people around us. I can't remember when it was. I might have shared this with you already. But um, I was challenged to have fresh faith for a particular area of my life. Have you got stale in your faith for believing for your family to get saved? Have you got stale in your faith for your neighbor or for your work colleague? I was challenged to have fresh faith for a particular thing that I'm believing for. It's Nicholas healing. I'm coming with fresh faith. Can we have fresh faith for the lost? Can we have fresh faith that God will meet them? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Everyone comes to him must believe that he exists and he's the reward of those who diligently seek him. Can we come with fresh faith for souls, fresh faith for disciples? Sometimes we fail to have faith in the supernatural, so we've, we've befriended them. We've loved on them. Now what we need to do is, to, is say to them, can I read Scripture to you? Because we've got faith that the Word of God will transform them. We've loved on them. We've fed them. Now we've embodied. Now what we need to do is say, can I pray for you? You're feeling sick. You need a job. You've got fun. Can we start to step beyond the embodiment? Please embody. Beyond the embodiment and start to move in faith and start to really bring people to Jesus. We should always have faith in the power of God's word. These four men had faith and Jesus met them. 
and did, did miracles. Lastly, we engage the heart. We don't know the tone of Jesus, but I think it's so touching that he says, son, son, my boy, your sins are forgiven. You know, there's two extremes with evangelism. The one is just a laid out, well-versed formula of, of laying out the truths of doctrine. I encourage you to know that and be able to do that. The other one is just being loving and kind and embodying. But engaging the heart is meeting the people right at their point of where their heart is, of their soul and their spiritual need. Jesus speaks to the spiritual condition of this man. First and foremost, before your business, before your healing, before your marriage, before anything, Jesus wants to speak to you and set you free. Forgive you, cleanse you, and bring you back into relationship with him. Max Lucado says the following. He says, if our greatest need was for information, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need was for money, he would have sent an economist. If our greatest need was for pleasure, he would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need is forgiveness. So he sent a savior. Have you accepted him as your savior? Unless you do, you'll never be satisfied. No amount of money, clothes, men, women, success will satisfy your soul. Blaise Pascal says the following, famous scientist and lover of God. He says, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person that cannot be fulfilled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, which is made known through Jesus Christ. There's a God-shaped vacuum. There was a movie called The Fisher King, Robin Williams. Uh, anybody see it? Probably not. It wasn't very successful. In this movie, Robin Williams is trying to date this very klutzy, mousy, wallflower character played by Amanda Plummer. And he says to her, after spending a bit of time with her on a particular day, he says, can I have your number so I can call you? And she replies, she says, no, you can never see me again. And he says, why? He says, well, you know, if by some weird accident we get to the end of this first date, and you don't hate me yet, but you will eventually, and I just can't handle that rejection. You'll hate me, and I don't want it. I don't want it. So thank you very much for taking me out, but you can never see me again because I know you're going to hate me. Once you get to know me, you're going to hate me. And he responds to her. He speaks straight to her heart. He says, you don't get it. I know you're clumsy. You knock everything over. I know you're down on yourself. I know you're horribly shy. I know you have no friends. But I really know all of this and I love you. So you see, I will never leave you. 
And she says to him, are you for real? (laughs) But his love for her transforms her. May we speak to the heart of people. Because the love of God transforms. The love of God draws people to repentance. As I recap, here's a question, and it's a simple question. Who are you in the story? Are you the crowd, and you've just come to see what Jesus is? You've heard, are you just, are you just looking? Are you the paralyzed man who somehow has been brought here through circumstances? Maybe by people, maybe just the Holy Spirit drew you, and you need forgiveness, and you need the touch of God. Or are you the four men, four women, who are stepping up and stepping out? And despite the difficulty, despite the discouragement, despite the objections, are saying, I'm going to bring people to Jesus. Can we pray together? If you, that, that man, that woman that is paralyzed, you know you're far from the Father. Your sins have separated you. The good news is, He's reaching out to you. He does not reject you. This is why Jesus came, that you might receive forgiveness, that you might be reconciled to the Father. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, if you're sick and tired of trying to do it yourself, you're not here by chance. The Father is drawing you via the Holy Spirit to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've done it before and you've fallen away terribly. Or maybe you've never consciously said, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. If you're that paralyzed man, paralyzed woman that needs Jesus to meet, meet with you, I want to pray for you. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. So there's an aspect of our faith that is not private. It's proclaimed whereby we say, I'm choosing Jesus. So if that's you and you want Jesus, I'm going to ask you be bold and decisive and lift up your hand. And I'm going to pray for you. That's you. Just lift up your hand high. Don't, don't half measure this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for standing. Church, can we all stand together? I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you at the front, and I want to help you. Four or five people lifted up their hands. Church, could we celebrate them? Won't you come to the front now? Won't you just come to the front? Come on, church. Come on. This this is not this is not the walk of shame. 
I think, I think there was some, I think there was somebody else. If you lift it up here, I'm not going to embarrass you. We want to help you. We want to help you to experience Jesus. We want to welcome you into community. Is anybody else just come forward? All right, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's your faith. Jesus is going to meet you. And I, but I want you to pray it aloud. Um, I want you to pray this prayer aloud. And church, help me. Help them as they pray it by praying it with us. Lord Jesus, I repent. I turn from doing it my way. And I choose you. I receive you as my Savior. I declare that you are Lord. Come into my life. Come into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we pray for these men, Lord God. Lord, let the power of sin be broken, Lord God. May they experience cleansing, washing, above all relationship with you, Lord God. From today, Lord God, no longer paralyzed, no longer blind, no longer dead, but experiencing life and life abundant. We speak it over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, friends, brothers, just as one of those men couldn't bring the paralytic to Jesus, we can't do this alone. So we want to help you, give you some material. doesn't mean you're joining this church, but we are saying you've got to join church. It's either this one or another one. You need to be added into community. So, Pastor Champ, will you take these men and just help them? You'll be back with your family soon or your friends, whatever it is. God bless you. One more thing. One more thing. Can we stand before the Lord and commit to being those four men? I'm committing to being one of those four men. Can you do the same? Let's pray together. Lord, as we lift up our hands, we are giving ourselves, we are consecrating ourselves to no longer live in excuses, to no longer live in fear, to no longer live in selfishness, Lord God. But Lord, from today, Lord, that we would see the broken, we would see the paralyzed, Lord God. Lord, we commit ourselves and we look to you to fill us, Holy Spirit, with power, to be witnesses, to make disciples, to be men and women who go after the broken, that they might experience the life that we experience. So Holy Spirit, rest upon us this week. Cause us to do neighboring through the roof with persistence and creativity and above all power. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. I thank you very much.